Of the descendants of Adam, we pick up a man named Jared. And Jared lived 162 years, and he begot Enoch. And after he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The first thing I want to talk about tonight is Enoch's life in general, his world, his family. Because, you know, God has made us to be within a family unit. You go back to Genesis chapter 2, when God brought Eve to Adam, he made them male and female, And Adam said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And they were a family unit. And thus the declaration comes, therefore, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one, and they'll be joined together. So each generation is a new family of generation. You know, there's a way you see the world when you're in your late 50s, early 60s, and there's a way you see the world in your mid-30s and 40s, and there's a way you see the world in your early 20s. And tonight we are generations in motion, and we can see that even here tonight as I look around this room. But the family unit is so crucial and so special in God's eyes. And so I have to think about Enoch's family unit because he's a very important man for a lot of reasons. We're going to go through this. But he had a family. His dad was Jared. They lived, they lived for centuries. And you think about the deterioration of the body. I got to believe if you live 900 years, almost a millennium. But remember, it's only 1,600 years total from the dawn of creation until the flood's about 1,600 years. When Jared lived, Adam was still alive. So his great-great-great-great-grandfather was still alive. When Enoch was born, this is a timeline. This is a very handy timeline I have here. So I just want to give you some information to think about with the family unit. Now, they lived longer. They were healthier. They were superhumans. They were supers, as they might say in the movies, right? They were, they were superhumans. Um, they were very special. But we're the descendants. We're just a degenerated version of that farther down the road with entropy and the effects of what we've done to destroy the planet as well and what we've just, everything, I don't need to go into it, you know that. But Adam lived 930 years from the dawn of creation and of course he was created as an adult, as was Eve. If you look at the time that Enoch was born, he was born in 622 from the dawn of creation. So he shared the planet with his son Methuselah and even his great-grandson Lamech who comes after Methuselah. So this chart right here would show that at 9.30, they're all on the planet at the same time. So Adam, Seth, Enoch, Enish, Canaan, Mahalil, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, and Lamech, those generations are all on the planet living at the same time in their timeline. Noah does not come on the planet till 10.56 from the dawn of creation, which has Adam gone. Okay, it's important. These are important things to understand. And we know they filled the earth. They filled the earth. Humanity was told to be fruitful and multiply, and that gene pool was very pure and very solid. Jesus Christ, all humanity, and the Messiah, Jesus Christ, come through this line. This is very important because, again, this line is there for us in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, this genealogy for the Savior and for us. So his dad was Jared. Now, we read something very interesting about him, that when Enoch, so he was begotten by Jared when his dad was 162. Now, his dad lived a very long time. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. And after he got Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. So a couple things here. Now, this is the Methuselah who lives longer than anyone else we know on the planet. Okay, so in, the, in human history, from the biblical record, he lived the longest of any human being, like 960, 969 years, whatever it is. 970, we'll round it off. 
So, you know, if you've got a like, kid's Bible, they'll always show like Methuselah, the oldest man, they show him like a long gray beard, kind of a thing like the interpretation idea of what he might look like. I don't think he looks like any of those drawings that you see in your children's Bible, Methuselah. But he was the son of Enoch who walked with God and pleased God and was taken by God. It says after he had this son, he walked with God. And I think we can relate to that. Many people, when they have their first child or have a child, there's something about a certain child that will bring them to the Lord. There are some people, when they have a child, it changes their thinking. And suddenly from being selfish, they become selfless. And they start thinking, why am I here? The responsibility, they're, they're like, wow, this is amazing. And since God's a creator, a, a man or a woman come together and they have a child. It's like, in a sense, it's like your creation. And you marvel. And for those of you who brought a child home from the hospital for the first time when they're born, it's just amazing. When we brought Hannah home for the first time, it's like, what do we do? You know, when she's crying, it's like, you can't take a battery pack out or something. This is the real deal. But you would look, we'd look at Hannah. It's like, wow, it's Hannah. Like, this is me and Jennifer. And just the other day, I was with um, Jade Broderick's wife, Pastor Broderick's wife. We were at the beach with our families yesterday with the kids, all the grandkids. And I, and I was looking at Nora and I said, you know, the older she gets, the more she looks like you to me. I've, you know, I've always thought she looks like Broderick, but I was looking and I was like, I see Jade. And, you know, that's what you do. Like, well, you look so much like your mom or so much like your dad. And there's something about children that brings maturity upon adults and can be humbling for adults and ha- can be divine in working in the lives of adults. And it's a very interesting detail that when Enoch had his son, Methuselah, who would be the oldest man on record in the Bible, he began to walk with the Lord. That's encouraging to me. God knows what it takes to get our attention and to move our hearts toward him that we'll walk with him. He might let you, you know, win the greatest achievement to find out it's empty, and that's how you're going to walk with him. He might strip you of everything and break you down. That's how you're going to walk with him. He might give you a child, and that's how you're going to walk with him. He might take a child, and that's how you're going to walk with him. He might give you the dream job, and that's how you're going to walk with him. He might cost you your dream job, and that's how you're going to walk with him. We talk about God's voice being a still, small voice from the story of Elijah. Elijah, But, you know, they say it wasn't in thunder. God's voice wasn't in an earthquake. And it wasn't in the fire. Except you can find three other times in the Bible where God's voice is in the thunder, in the earthquake, the fire, and so forth, in the whirlwind. God knows what's going to draw us to himself. This encourages me about Enoch. They had a flashpoint of his faith. And it's important that we have a flashpoint of our faith. Being raised Catholic, always believing in God. I always believe in God, but I needed a flashpoint of my faith. My flashpoint came in the spring of 87 when I read the Gospel of John, and I was being born of the Spirit during that time. And when I read it, it is finished in John 19, I knew I was saved. And I wanted to go to church twice on Sunday instead of once. Not of obligation, but wanting to draw near to the Lord. And I would drive from Vista to North Coast Calvary at Vulcan Square there, off Santa Fe and Encinitas, and I go Sunday morning and Sunday night, not because I had to, duty and obligation, but because I wanted to. So instead of listening to K-Rock, because I'd previously worked for K-Rock, I found that K-Wave 107.9 was just this way, to the right. And I wanted to listen to K-Wave. I, didn't, I chose not to listen to K-Rock because it didn't have anything against K-Rock. I just wasn't a pretender anymore. I was saved. I had a flashpoint in my faith, and I can look back and say, man, I, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. All things have passed away. All things are new. Enoch had a flashpoint of his faith, and he is in Hebrews 11 for his faith, we're going to get to in just a moment. But we're told how he came to his faith after he had his son Methuselah. 
very interesting to me. His dad was Jared. Jared didn't lead him to the Lord, but having his son, Methuselah, brought him to walk with God. And this should encourage us in our own lives and praying for other people. As we pray for people that don't know the Lord and we think about events going on in their life, you just don't know which event is the event that might bring them to faith in the Lord. We don't know what victory or heartache or change in family dynamics might be the very thing that brings them to the Lord. You just don't know. I've been in ministry for 31 years, and I've seen many different things be used by the Lord to bring people to the Lord under favorable and grievous circumstances. In this case, I think we can relate to this. Methuselah was born. But here is the fascinating thing about Methuselah. So fasten your seatbelts. His word actually means like the end or death, his name. If you Google the, the Hebrew meaning behind Methuselah, the first part of the word means like the, an end of and things. And wouldn't you know, his last year on planet Earth was the year of the flood. Don't forget that as we go forward in uh, the life of Enoch. When this son was born, who brought his father to walk with the Lord, this son's going to live 969 years. And when this son's life is done, the primeval world, as we understood it, which we barely can understand, was also done. In other words, humanity was on the clock when Methuselah was born. The clock was on, time clock. Kind of like when Israel became a nation, we're on the clock right? Because God said he'd bring him back. We're on the clock. Israel's a nation. Start your stopwatch. We're on the clock. And we often think like, wow, you know, the, Israel's been there and, you know, the, Europe is revised, the EU, all these things are in place. You can have a, a global control of currency and data and information and big brother and all that stuff. But you think, shouldn't the Lord have come back right now already? And Pastor Chuck thought the Lord was going to come back in the early 80s, if not sooner. And George Mueller thought the Lord was going to come back before, you know, 1880. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of people have thought like, oh, it's all here, global war, all these things and many antichrists. And but Second Peter tells us that the reason the Lord hasn't come back yet is that he's long-suffering and not willing that any should perish. But we are on the clock. But I just think it's so interesting in Enoch's family that he's born and he lives about 60 years when people are living a long time and he has his son who will be the oldest man in the Bible who will pass the same year as the flood and having this son helped him walk with the Lord. So my first point is don't underestimate human experiences to bring people practical human experiences, real life human experiences to bring people to a saving faith. My brother-in-law, John George, was the biggest mocker of Christians without restraint when I first married my wife, Jennifer. He would mock Jesus, the second return of Jesus, the second coming. He'd make fun of us for believing that we're going to be caught up in the air, and he would ridicule us. But when he watched his mom die a terminal death over the course of a year and saw her give her life to Christ and saw her want to switch from classical music to K-wave praise music, something happened in that man's heart. And he came to Easter service after his mom passed away. First church service he ever came to after mocking us for almost a decade. And I baptized him with my daughter Hannah the same day at Oceanside Pier in June of the same year. You just don't know. The family, God blesses the family unit. Life experiences, you just don't know what's gonna bring someone to the Lord. And it came through the family experience. And how Jennifer took care of her mom in that experience. John used to always pick on his younger sister and he watched his little sister who was pregnant with Luke take care of his dying mom. 
And he was humbled by it. He was reproved by it. And he was saved by it. You just don't know. Methuselah, though, the kid that brought dad to a saving faith is going to be the oldest man in the Bible. And when he breathes his last, here comes the end of the age. And we're on the clock. So the second thing we see about Enoch, we have his timeline and his relatives and how he came to a faith. We read that he walked with God. It says that after he begot Methuselah, that's, how, that's his flashpoint of faith, he walked with God. So what does that mean, like walk with God? I mean, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, you know, have a walk worthy and all these things. But if you come to the New Testament, we read about Enoch. So Scripture interprets Scripture. We find out some very interesting things about Enoch. Last week, we looked at Abel, how he's in the book of Hebrews. The order of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 is faith in creation out of nothing, which is the biblical record of creation, not evolution, but creation. It's the first order of faith in God's economy. The substance things hoped for, the evidence not yet seen. The second thing of faith is Abel, the first person in chapter 4 of Genesis. The next person is Enoch. And we read this about Enoch. So let me read to you from Hebrews 11, 5. Because he walked with God. So we need insight. And so the Bible's going to give us insight. Scripture's going to interpret Scripture. By faith, Enoch was taken away so they did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. Okay, so listen. This is what it means to walk with God. He had this testimony. That he pleased God. Okay. So his testimony was that he pleased God. Well, what does that mean? So he walked with God. Genesis 5. Hebrews 11. He had this testimony. He pleased God. Well, Hebrews eleven six is a verse I quote all the time. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those who come to him must believe he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A go-to verse that I've used for many years in ministry and preaching the gospel is connected to Enoch. Because the previous verse says in the context that he had a testimony, he pleased God, and we please God because those who come to him must believe that God is And he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That gives us insight. Enoch walked with God after he had his son, Methuselah, and he diligently sought the Lord. And he believed in God. He walked with God, and he had faith. Now, what's interesting to me is he did it with minimal revelation. Okay, the only revelation he had under the Adamic covenant was that his Great-great-great-great-grandfather Adam fell with sin and brought that on all the human beings on the planet. And this distant cousin Cain is building an empire that's everything contrary to God. He knows that his great-great-grandfather or uncle twice removed, three times removed, Abel, bought an offering by faith with blood. He, so he would have known from his parents, don't cover yourself with fig leaves and don't bring vegetables for the offering. Didn't work for us and didn't work for Cain. When you come, you come with faith and you come with the offering because it's always the just for the unjust. So for your sins, someone innocent has to pay for your guilt, which points to the cross. So everything from Genesis all the time Christ came is a shadow of things that come, but the substance is Christ. We read that in Colossians just a few months ago. So here's... Enoch walking with God, pleasing God, in fellowship with God by faith, because it's always by faith. And 
the stories of Abel, the stories of Adam and his great-great-great-great-grandfather being cast out, he understood these things as best he could with limited revelation. It's, again, I compare it to something like when you first heard radio. Like some of you have parents that are old enough, they were before TV. My dad talks about listening to the radio. My dad was born in 1930. Radio. Growing up there in a boarding house at University of Wisconsin, his parents rented out rooms for extra income. They made the food. They did all these things. Different time. Radio first. All those things you hear about, like when people listen to radio, and it was fascinating. And if you study church history, when people first preached on the radio, they thought certain people protested the body of Christ using radio because they thought it was the prince of the power of the air. Literally. Fuller, Fuller Seminary, he took great flack during his timeline from the organized religion saying, you're of the devil because they're using radio to preach the gospel. <laughs> you just never know, right? You live long enough, the te- technological changes. So if we try and put ourselves in that world, and though it was a superhuman world, their understanding of the fullness of what God would do through his son is not that clear. They don't have the Passover lamb yet. They don't have Abraham justified by faith. They don't have Abraham bringing his son to Mount Moriah as a type of Christ on the cross 2,000 years later. They don't have any of that. They've just got mom and dad with fig leaves. That doesn't work. Skin covering. And great uncle Abel four times removed with his blood offering from his flock. That's all they got. It's like radio before you have Netflix or Amazon Prime or something on your phone or Hulu on your phone. Now, when we were teenagers, we grew up, when you were sick, you'd watch 10, 11. It'd be, I love Lucy, Gilligan's Island, you know, all that stuff, right? You're black and white. It was the black and white cluster. Father knows best, even. little Like, my first memories of TV are black and white TV when my dad was in the Marine Corps and we lived in Guam in the early 60s. You see, Enoch pleased God with minimal understanding of things that we now fully in fact, we're told in 1 Peter that angels sought to look into the incredible mysteries of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, which we now know in fullness because of the gospel being preached to us in the new and everlasting covenant with Jesus Christ. Angels could not understand. So when they showed up and they revealed themselves to Gideon, go in the strength of yours, O oh mighty man of God. What are you talking about? Or when they appeared to Manoah, Samson's parents, right? And the angel of the Lord goes, up, oh, we've seen the angel of the Lord. We're going to die. And the wife says, no, we're not because he's going to kill us. He would have killed us. You know, it's always the wife that makes sense when everything else is unraveling, right? And, and all these angelic appearances, it's like the expansion of going from radio to right here. We were sitting in an office yesterday, my wife and I were watching the Padres and the Dodgers last night. <laughs> it's like, on your phone, who would ever thought it, right? Who would ever thought it? See, we have the fullness, but this guy only had that, that little limited revelation and understanding in a superhuman world. They lived a lot longer, like centuries longer. But they didn't know, and even the angels didn't know outside this dimension what God was going to do progressively through the Noah covenant, through the Abrahamic covenant, through the Mosaic covenant, and the new covenant. But we know. We have the full knowledge, we're told in 1 Peter, which is glorious. So that makes what Enoch did even all the more commendable. So he, pleased, he had a testimony that he pleased God, which means he walked by faith, he diligently sought the Lord, he loved the Lord. But th- wait, there's more. He had a message because there's a Hebrew book called the Book of Enoch. Now, it's not in your Bible because it's not an inspired book. There's books like Maccabees and Book of Wisdom that's in the Catholic Bible, and it's not the inspired word of God. It was never never quoted by Jesus. It was never accepted by the apostles or quoted by the apostles. That's a whole other Bible study. But 
But it's not like it's a bad book. I mean, the book of Maccabees is a historically accurate book. Josephus, the great Jewish historian, refers to the Maccabees and these things and confirms that. Well, the book of Enoch is very interesting because it's about Enoch. And from the book of Enoch comes a quotation that is inspired, and it's in the book of Jude in your New Testament. So not only do we get an interpretation of his life from Hebrews 11, but in the book of Jude, we get this amazing insight of his message. Enoch was a prophet. Listen to this. Jude, verse 14, it's only one chapter, so it's verse 14. Now Enoch, talking about, it's, a, it's in the context, false teachers and evil men are being reproved. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesies about these men also saying, so the Holy Spirit is leading Jude in writing the book of Jude against false teachers, and he's quoting Enoch, making thus now the message of Enoch an inspired record of the Holy Spirit for us, for all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for instruction and correction. So the historical accuracy now becomes divine inspiration in the record of the New Testament to help us understand the primeval world. And by the way, this is the, one of the few passages of Scripture that gives us insight into this primeval world from a firsthand account of a message. 500 years from now, the Lord doesn't come back, and someone can find a Chuck tape. They can listen to Pastor Chuck from the 1970s and find insight as to what the message was during the Jesus movement, Pastor Chuck, or WG Pastor Joey, 2019. Well, here's what we have. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these evil men, also saying, behold, the Lord comes. He's talking about the Lord coming. He's talking about the Lord coming. He lives in the primeval world, and he's talking about the end of the primeval world. He's talking about the Lord coming. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things ungodly sinners have spoken against them. He might as well be a prophet in America in 2019. He might as well be Franklin Graham or Greg Laurie or Raul Reese. In the superhuman primeval world, he says, the Lord is coming and he's coming in judgment. And that's exactly what Jesus said. He comes a second time to judge, to separate the sheep from the goats, to execute judgment on all. Jesus will judge every single soul before his throne. You're in the Lamb's book of life or the books are open and you're cast out for unbelief. And he's going to convict all Look at the phrases, who are ungodly, ungodly deeds, ungodly way, and ungodly spinners who have spoken against the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Look how blasphemous our culture is. Politicians, entertainers, people who are legends in their own mind, they are so vile and so loud, and they control so much money and wealth and communications and propaganda. They make what Hitler did with his propaganda machine look like nothing for what these globalists do in our planet right now. And they speak ungodly things against the Lord and they blaspheme against the Lord and his people. So really there's not that much difference between us and Enoch when you break it down. Now he said the Lord's coming soon. Now the Lord's coming. So when Enoch's preaching and Methuselah is his son and Jared's his dad, has your dad supported your preaching? Do your parents support your faith? How influenced are your kids by your faith and what you speak? Did Jared walk out on Enoch when he preached the Lord's coming with 10,000s of his saints? 
Did your parents walk out on you when you said you've given your life to Christ? That you're going abroad to serve the Lord? Did they support you or are they against you? If they're for you, great. For all the ministry you could do, we want our first ministry to be to our children and our immediate family. If your children don't walk with the Lord, don't want to be because you didn't live for the Lord. Let it be because they chose with their own self-determination. That's what they chose to do. Methuselah had a message. He pleased God. He lived by faith, and he had a message, and his message was, the Lord is coming, and there will be a judgment at the end. Peter said in the last days, scoffers will say, where's the Lord's coming? But remember, he tells us in 2 Peter the Lord is lo- that the Lord is long-suffering, not willing that he should perish. And you think, can you imagine? Okay, so everyone lived really long, but he's like, the Lord's coming back. And people are like, Cain's descendants, his relatives, like, when? What's your deal? The Lord's coming back. This is our city. We name cities after our sons. We take all the wives we want. Who do you tell us the Lord's coming back? With what 10,000 saints? Yeah, we heard that story about great, 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 great grandpa Adam. Whatever. The Lord's coming back. You keep saying the Lord's coming back. It's been 200 years since you said the Lord's coming back. Now, if you take this timeline of his life, we know his message now. We know he came into the world in the year 622 after creation. He lived till 987. So he had this message. He lived, you know, less than 400 years. He had this message. He disappeared. So he goes off. The Lord takes him off the planet while his dad, Jared's like, where's Enoch? Methuselah, his son's like, where'd my dad go? Jared's like, where's my son? Where'd they go? Where'd he go? The sentence of Cain are maybe like, where's that annoying preacher? Tell us the Lord's coming. We're going to be judged. He's gone. Good. Good riddance. That's what the descendants of Cain said for sure. That's what they say when the Lord comes back for his church too and they get seven years of literal hell breaking loose. They'll be like, good riddance. Aliens took all those people away or something. They'll come up with something. But notice, he stepped into eternity in 987 from the dawn of creation. The flood's not till 1656. That's 700 years. That's a long time. So you think Chuck was like, when are you coming back, Lord? Well, it was 700 years. Enoch preached that the Lord was coming, and the Lord didn't come for 700 years till the flood. But he did come. And Peter said in the last day there'll be scoffers, and they will point to the flood and say, oh, they talk about the flood and this and that. Where is the promise of his coming? What did Jesus say? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of return of the Son of Man. Scoffers are going to scoff. Believers are going to walk. That's the way it is. We can walk in light or we can walk in darkness. But the words of Enoch reach out. The words of Enoch speak to our generation. The Lord's coming for his saints and then with his saints. And he will bring judgment. What do they say in Revelation chapter 6? The wrath of the Lamb has come. And who is able to stand? Worthy is the lamb in chapter 5, but wrath of the lamb in chapter 6. He walked with God. He had a message. So we think about him. He was just, he's faithful. You have to look at Enoch's life. He was faithful. Like, picture his message. Can you imagine being in community college at OCC and that's your message? Going to UCLA and that's your message to your professors? Working on your master's degree at Michigan State, that's your message to your professors and your classmates? Going to work for... Amazon, Google, that's your message at lunch break? Yes, that is. Working at your local Starbucks, Del Taco, whatever, that's your message? Yes, it is. 
Yes, it is. And someday on this planet, every single soul that's born again walking with Jesus, they will be walking with God, pleasing God, and they will be taken even as he was. He pleased the Lord. I just think when you get to the end of your life and you're like five minutes from the countdown and the Lord's like, hey, five minutes, you're out. Like last call when you're boarding a flight, have you ever run up to a flight and you're late and you're like, where were you, Mr. Brand? And you're like, you're running down the ramp. Then you walk down the plane and it's like, right? I've had that experience. Maybe you have too. If you had five minutes, you're leaving in five minutes. You're departing in five minutes to eternity. How cool it would be to have the person like scan your ticket and go like, hey, you know what? God says you pleased him. Blip, blip. Have a nice flight. That was his message. Let God be true and every man a liar in a primeval world in the new covenant. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. So we know that he was taken. So we come back to Genesis now, chapter 5. We know he had the flashpoint of faith when his son was born. We know that he walked with God. He had a message with God, and he pleased God. He was faithful in his generation. Jesus said concerning his return, who then is that faithful servant whom his master will find when he so comes? Speaking of being faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Matthew 25, in regards to the second coming. But we know he's a type. He was taken. So we see again now the last thing. He walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So you say, oh, God took him. What does that mean? Well, the New Testament tells us that he didn't die. Scripture interprets Scripture. So we're like, well, he took him like, oh, took him, took him to another part of the planet, you know, took him to Boise like Jeremy, or took him to Florida like my daughter, or took him to eternity like Trinity Jameson and other loved ones that have been a part of this church. Dave Fritz used to sit right there in the front row in his camo jacket praising the Lord. God took him. He took him. He took him to heaven. Took him home. But without dying, because we saw in the New Testament, he did not die. Can you imagine, like, trying to understand death with their supercomputer minds? Like, well, they're not coming back. And God said to the dust, you go, the dust will return. That's what he said to our father, Adam. And death would have been the great mystery with such an uncertainty. And every primeval superhuman had to face death. Even Methuselah, 669 years later, the year of the flood, he had to face death. I personally believe on Methuselah that... His life brought an end to that generation. That was it. Because if you Google, you'll see some people believe Methuselah went into the flood, and so he was judging the flood. Some people believe, because it's the same year, that he died before the flood, and that was the final thing before it all kicked in. Some people think he helped Noah build the ark. We don't know. But we do know this. He died the same year that that portion of the human race in the primeval world was done. And we're going to be picking up Noah next week as we get into Genesis 6 and the judgment. But Enoch was taken. He did not die. Let me say that again. Because we've watched people die. We've watched infants and adults and grandparents and great-grandparents, loved ones. We've watched them step in eternity or we've gone to their graveside memorial or their sanctuary service somewhere. Sometimes when I can't sleep, I write down everyone I know that stepped into eternity. And it makes me, I start thinking about their lives and my life. I'm still here. And it motivates me to just go to sleep and wake up with a new day with his mercies new and start a new day with Jesus. The older you get, the, you know, like, as my dad says, when you're 89, you kind of outlived almost everybody. Enoch was young for his timeline, and he was taken. And he was ready to be taken. When the Lord came, he didn't say, oh, no. He's like Stephen, the Lord standing for him. The Lord came for him. 
He was taken. Now, we are told in the New Testament that by the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, that the Lord's coming back, and we will not all die, but the dead in Christ will rise first, but we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the air. We will be translated. We will go from corruptible to incorruptible and mortal to immortal when Jesus Christ comes back for his church with the sound of a trumpet. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, we read the same thing, that we will not all die, but we will all be changed. And then if you harmonize Matthew 24 and what, Luke, what Jesus talks about, one in the field, one left behind, one stays. If you read the text, one is taken and one is left behind. Now, in all fairness, there are many people who don't believe that that's talking about the, the rapture of Jesus coming for his church. They believe it's the end of the age where they're taken away in a judgment and the kingdom's established. Both understandings work. But Billy Graham definitely believed it was the rapture. So I feel I'm in good company when I put myself there because I believe it is too. You say rapture, where does that word come from? Rapizio in the Latin, it means to be caught up. When you're in rapture with someone, when you're in love, you're caught up. And that word means to be caught up. There's a generation of believers that won't just be one person like Enoch walking with God, pleasing the Lord, but an entire generation of born-again believers on this planet, as promised by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, that will be caught up and taken just like Enoch was. He's a type of Jesus coming for his church. Jesus said concerning his return, be watching, be ready, for you know not the hour that the master comes. So be watching, be ready. Jesus said that concerning his return. So Enoch is such an important person in the Bible because he's a type of the hope, the blessed hope of the Lord Jesus coming for his church. He really is that type. Now, Elijah didn't die. That's another person that didn't die. Moses died, and Michael fought over his body with Satan. There's a few unique things in the Bible like that, but Enoch had a message. He pleased God. God took him, and the planet went on for about another 700 years. But lo and behold, one week in that door being closed of the ark, it's your apocalyptic movie for real. It's not some Hollywood version of 2012 and a super volcano at Yosemite. It's the entire planet blowing up and open and coming down. And only those that were sealed went through it in the ark, which is generally considered a type of Israel in the tribulation period with the 70th week of Daniel. But that's another bedtime story for another time. Okay. So Enoch, he had his last point of faith through his son. He had a family like we do. He walked with God. He pleased God. He had a message of the Lord's return. And in his life, he became a type. That's a hope for any one of us in every generation until the Lord comes back. What an amazing person. It should inspire our faith and our obedience. I hope it does for you because it certainly does for me. Their end was 1656 from the dawn of creation. We do not know our end. But on behalf of the Calvary Chapel Association and the message of the senior pastors last week at Diamond Bar, they do believe it's about now. So what manner of women and men might we be to live by faith, always looking for the blessed hope of the Lord's return?